This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast myself, Ross and Joe took everything Milton Keynes dons. Well, gents, another win, another late win as well uh, at home. So six out of six points in the last two home games. I'm assuming, uh, assuming as long as, well, as well as some winning uh, horses for yourself, Ross, you're feeling pretty good, right? I'm doing good, thanks, mate. Good to hear. And uh, Joe, I've heard... Uh, you're a bit down the weather at the moment, but uh, you've you've managed to get onto the pod, so I'm sure you're feeling a bit better now. You're hearing mine, Joe's, mine, Russ's voice. Sorry. Oh yeah, I'm uh, a little bit under the weather, but I'm I'm braving it for you, boys, and for the lovely listeners, of course. Love that, love that. I'm sure that I'm sure I appreciate dedication for sure. Okay, so another win um, midweek. It's uh, a pretty decent Plymouth team, as we kind of expected. Two-one uh, win. Of course, Scotty Fraser stepping up, embracing his inner uh, Penandes, getting another goal there for us. It makes it 10 for the season for him. And they put us up to 14th in the league, um, you know, just behind Nackerson, I believe now, and hope getting close to a top-half finish uh, once again. Um, in general, we pretty much controlled the first half. Uh, I don't remember too many mistakes, besides, I think, Lewington getting the ball away a few times, which, uh, yeah, one of them always results in the goal. Um, but, yeah, besides that, pretty comfortable. Defence did really well. And then second half, uh, a bit more open. Obviously, players changed our approach a bit. Um, but we were the ones who uh, got the late winner, of course, of Scott Fraser. So, yeah, got some weeder players for sure after that game, which we'll, we'll talk about later on. Um, but overall, got to be happy with the win, right? And um, Ross, what were your general thoughts on the Dons getting back-to-back wins at home on Tuesday night? Yeah, as you say, just please get... Uh back-to-back wins, um, pushes it even more further into mid-table. Um, but what pleased me the most was how we controlled the game. I think we had about 68 possession uh, overall uh, in the game. And this Torin Olin Jerome partnership linking up once again. I believe it was in a 31-pass move. 
we're starting to get on a bit of a trend with these pass moves and got, turning them into goals. Um, but overall, I don't feel like we never really looked like we could concede as such in the first half. McEachran was class yet again in the first half, beating the press and working his way out of the tight spaces. And I'm just hoping it's not long-term with the uh, next spasms because he looked promising. But it's not a bad replacement to have in the second half of Louis Thompson, is it? Um, but I felt going into the second half, Ryan Lowe, he got the reaction he needed out of his players and they were really pressing our back line and fair play to Ihora, Darling and Louis. They coped with it and especially Harry Darling. He stood out massively in that, this sort of game because of Plymouth were prioritising Laird and Sorinola um, on the wing-backs and it was leaving space in the middle and Darling was going on these adventurous runs through the middle of the park and it offered us a different outlook to the attack. But I feel like the three points are on Russ Martin and Luke Williams in my eyes. Um, he noticed there was a change which was needed. We looked tired at times and Plymouth were getting a grip of the game. And he changed it up and brought on Harvey and Grigg. And I felt it changed the game and we pushed on late on to get the penalty. But going on to the penalty, did you ever doubt Scott Fraser? I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Very interesting game. Of course, um, two teams who, as a pin of commentary sort of mentioned, in pretty similar spots um, in terms of their development and where they're at playing-wise. Um, and yeah, we're the ones that got the result in the end. And uh, Joe, you know, especially in a game that Ross mentioned that was really competitive uh, overall, wherever that way we're on the pitch, uh, it feels good to get the three points coming out of that, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, in this game kind of shows our progress as a team. You know, I think... When we went to Home Park, one thing was that the press absolutely done us and caught us out and we just couldn't deal with it. And I think that we dealt with it so much better last night. Um, I thought, you know, there was the odd uh, a stray pass, but on the whole, you know, it was pretty good. And then, yeah, around the 60-minute mark, they started to have a few flashes, but, you know, they didn't actually create any sort of clear-cut chances apart from in the first half with um, with after Lewington lost the ball. And so, again, it's another game passed by where a team's not really carved us open or done anything. But typically, it's either one of our mistakes or an absolutely absolute rocket. Um, so you can't, you can't deny them that. And um, But, yeah, just, you know, uh, for, you know, Gladwin coming on, Harvey coming on and, um, and Grigg coming on, it, it just freshened us up a little bit. I thought Louis Thompson was great as well when he came on. I, you know, we, we've said before, I'll, we're all massive fans of him. And I thought that, yeah, one thing that I, I just thought we, we didn't panic that much. We dealt with the press well. And often, quite often, we beat the press and then got in behind and looked quite dangerous ourselves. You know, Grig, Grig missed um, a, a decent chance, a good ball into the box. And, yeah, overall, plenty to plenty to go on, really be pleased with. And to be honest, it's three really good performances in a week uh, at home, which, especially on the pitch, is, is quite some doing. Yeah, I know, I know Scotty Fraser talked about the pitch, wasn't he, uh, after the game? And uh, I'm sure uh, he put it politely what his thoughts were on it in general. Um, but yeah, it's not ideal. Um, as you mentioned before, it's like playing on, it's, it's more mud rather than grass at the moment. Um, but hey, we're getting results and, you know, we're, well, I think I think it's safe to say we're, we're a mid-table team now, uh, pretty safely. 
maybe one more result if you want to be 100% sure um, to get to that magic 50 points or just over that. But um, yeah, with the way the bottom four is looking at the moment, I can't see them picking up what it'd be like 14, 15 points in the, in the last sort of 10 or so games they've got. And the way some of the teams are playing down there is uh, pretty poor to say the least. Um, before we move on uh, to individual topics, I'll get your guys' thoughts on it, listeners. Um, so first of all, uh, Warwickshire Dons, um, talk about the game as we just about deserved the result according to um, them. Um, he used to talk about Matty Saranoda becoming you know, a really good player all of a sudden um, after his issues in January. Uh, he said Cameron Jerome is different gravy, have to agree there. And um, you know, he said about uh, Cammy and Scott Fraser have to be at the club next season, which you know, hopefully they are. Um, and his man of the match was Warren O'Hora, which is a good shot. I think, as Ross mentioned, all three of the defence were pretty solid on the night. Uh, Dale Freeman spoke about how the midfield won us the game. They're actually brilliant. Um, yeah, I felt the changes there. Midfield, especially Louis coming on, um, really won us the game. Um, Jamie Dodge, uh, at Jamie Dodge on Twitter, mentioned how he felt we looked tired coming back from from half-time, but the subs gave us some fresh legs. So as you know, you, yourself mentioned, Ross, regarding the three points was really down to Russ and Louis, uh, Louis, uh, Luke Williams. Um, yeah, you know, that's he's sort of endorsing that comment. And yeah, and he mentioned about us, uh, Louis Thompson being a strong player, and uh, we have to agree with that. Um, I'll comment, I'll get your guys' thoughts on a bit more. Um, it's from Mark L. I'll pass it over to you, Ross, first, if that's okay. Um, he mentioned about how the game wasn't the prettiest, but um, we had that grit, which we hadn't seen earlier in the season. Um, and he felt that a draw might have been a fair result uh, in general, but of course we got the penalty. So in regards to the grit comments, is that, are you feeling similar to Mark Ross in terms of we hadn't seen that grit earlier in the season, maybe where we try and battle out a result, whereas now we're, uh, well, we are seeing that. Well, I think some people fail to realise is this is a brand new team as such. Harry Darling slotting into the back line. We mentioned it previous times, of how raw this young side is. And I feel like with this box midfield, especially, um, go, going forward, we we look a lot better. And defensively, we, we look uh, more assured as such. So I think the balance is there. Um, and I feel like Louis Thompson, especially, and McEachran at times, they make the hard stuff look simple. And I think you take that for granted sometimes. And overall on that comment of us having a bit more bite to us. Yeah, I agree. But I feel also, as I've just mentioned, it's just about having that balance going forward and defending. So, oh yeah, as I say, um, I feel like this box midfield makes us look more assured as such compared to the 3-5-2 formation. Yeah, definitely. And uh, our, our opponents on uh, Saturday Burton, whilst it's not a box, they, they operate a very similar double pivot system. So it'll be very interesting to see how those two systems uh, clash against each other. And um, my conversation with Ed, uh, Ed Walker, will be coming up later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the grit comment, Joe, um, what are your thoughts on that in particular? You know, Ross has said that, you know, maybe we've seen a bit more of that um, as of recently. Uh, maybe that's to do with some players coming back. Um, but what are your thoughts on it? Um, well, for, first of all, I, I don't know. I don't think it should have been a draw or would have been a fair result. I, I don't can't really remember many chances Plymouth had, and I, I can think you know Jerome went through, missed one. Um, Fraser missed missed a good had a fairly decent chance, and then 
mentioned towards the end, Greg, you know, only put a couple couple feet, a uh, couple inches wide. So I think it's a bit harsh to say that a draw was probably fair as well. I think that, you know, for the amount of ball we had and what we limited them to, we limited them to like six shots in the box or something. And, and I don't think there was any points where we really looked like we weren't in control apart from maybe a five-minute spell when then they then blasted running from 30 yards. Um, but, yeah, in terms of grit, I don't know, because we have, we have shown in, in in flashes this season, we had quite a few, like you think back to Sunderland, Hull, um, and, and and there's a few other games where, you know, we have done that ugly side. And, we, and I don't think that that's necessarily not been there this season I just think maybe it's not been there enough and because it you know apart from the Oxford game there's not been many games where we've been ahead and then lost so I think that uh, you know I think we did play some good stuff I don't think it was that much of a scrappy game to be honest I think we kept the ball really well I think it was I think um, the club tweeted something about Harry Darling only gave the ball away three times which is quite frankly ridiculous considering he completed the 88 passes um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it was an ugly win as such. I thought we played really well and I thought in the end, you know, it, it might, the winner may have came from a penalty, but I think we did do enough to win the game. Yeah, I I agree mostly. Um, I say I think it, it was harsh to say Plymouth deserved to lose the game, in my opinion. Of course, they made the silly mistake with a penalty. I mean, for Ryan Lowe to come out and say there wasn't a penalty, is, I don't know if he's trying to defend his players or whatever, but that was a penalty as clear as day. Like he, he, he sees, um, I forgot who the players across the ball in, but the Don's player crosses the ball in and he Glapin. literally sticks his arm. Oh, is it Glappen? Okay, well, Glappen crossed the ball in and he's, the Plymouth player sticks his arm up in the air, like so blatant. He was watching it all the way. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, you mentioned about um, the passive percentages. Yeah, Harry Darling was 97%. Um, I said 88 out of 91 passes. And then you had players like O'Hora at 94%. Um, Keck in 88, Sermon 94, O'Reilly 94, Fraser 92. I think Louis, Louis Thompson was 97%. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, to, to say there was... to me. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it, it just says control, doesn't it? It's, it says that, you know, they. I think for once this season, they didn't make too many mistakes. Um, and, of course, the one that they did make a massive mistake, they didn't really get punished for it, really. Um, which is fortunate, I suppose. Um, but that's the difference between well, that, that's the difference between three points and one point. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think I, I think the grit is definitely there. I think obviously pleasant Louis Thompson we talk about a lot. He brings that grit, brings that aggression that we really need in that midfield. And uh, I'm interested to hear how McEachern is. Obviously, he went off injured in that game, um, and Louis T, Louis, Louis T came in and did okay. Um, so. Yeah, obviously we get an update from Russ Martin on that on Friday, um, but I'm sure we'll get an indication of where your two guys' thoughts and my thoughts are uh, regarding starting eleven. Whether we think uh, McEachern is going to be ready to go for Burton. Um, I want to touch on uh, the infamous duo at the moment, uh, Matty Sono and Cameron Jerome. Of course, uh, another another assist to Matty, another goal for Cammy. Um, yeah, it's four assists for Sono now in the past two games, and of course. Uh, Cam uh, Cammy Jerome's third goal in two games. Um, Ross, my, my simple question is: Do you think they can keep it up? Why not? Sorenol is producing at the moment, and as Joe Joe uh, said to Dino, he was just about taking the risks in the final third. 
And he's doing that at the moment. And when you've got the colour of Cameron Jerome in the box, nine times out of ten, he's going to put it in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's great to see, to be honest, because obviously we've, we've needed that play at their thing back for a little while now. Um, the Harvey experiment hasn't kicked off just yet. Um, and the Jules one, well, it's, it never restarted, really did it? It's just a minute. So, yeah, we need Matty Badley. He's stepping up to the plate, Joe. And uh, if he keeps this up, then who knows where he'll be uh, next season. Hopefully here, but who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, Russ said himself in, in, the, in the press conference, We've asked Matty to start start taking more risks, and yeah, it, it's 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 working, and that's all down. You know, fair play to Matty because, you know, I, I don't know what it was earlier in the season, but you know, he he's he shown he, he showed flashes of this. But if he can, you know, I, I was looking at um at some of his numbers from the season, and he averaged I think it was 0.4 successful crosses per game for 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 like the the whole season. Yeah, in the past two games, I think he's had four key passes in each game. That to me says, you know, it is. It's not as if he's been doing it all season and he's been getting unlucky. It's almost as if it's, you know, all of a sudden he's started putting the ball in early. He's started producing the quality, and it's working. <laughs> and I think, you know, it all in the past maybe five ten games, we've maybe been a bit more reliant on that right side. But I think when with Matty down this left side and also, you know, Fraser were in a more advanced role. Yeah, I think Fraser's looked really dangerous in recent games. I think um, I think it was uh, Toby Locke maybe mentioned in the press conference with uh, um, that, you know, Scott Fraser. He hasn't actually he's probably I think he's gone like seven or eight games without scoring um, and now he put in play. And that was the Rochdale game. But in the last two or three He's been kind of running late into the box and having a few decent chances, which we probably haven't really seen from him uh, in recent times. So that's uh, quite pleasing to see as well. Yeah, different size to Scott Fraser, which of course is a, a good sign when his, his former club are getting uh, Burton Albion's going up on Saturday. I'm sure he'll want to go to Pirelli and uh, put a decent performance on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose I give a lot of credit to Cameron Drone, but I haven't even been in the box at the right time. He's I think his past three goals have really shown that sign of experience, Ross, that we've, um, I suppose, missed in some senses um, from previous seasons in terms of striker. And, um, of course, for Cammy, that's, I forget how many goal contributions he's on. Um, I believe it's 18 or 19 for the season now in the league, which is crazy high for a player um, who we got on a free. Um, but, yeah, uh, how much praise do you reckon Cammy deserves for his recent performances in terms of being that high-pressing guy? And he's getting the rewards for the goals, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's deserved praise since the moment he's came in because he's been professional. He wasn't getting goals at the start and um, he was helping out other teammates like when Morris um, needed goals, he, he was uh, assisting him. So he's, a, I think he's a perfect team player and that's maybe something we've lacked in up top, especially uh, recently um, in past few seasons. But it was, I think the club tweeted it today um, with the goal numbers of him, Scott Fraser, and they being within the top four duos um, of our club's history. So it's not, it's not um, a one one season wonder sort of thing. It's it's down to pure class of his. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there's a reason why uh, Cardiff City came in January, isn't there? They they saw what's in what talent he has still in him. 
is a not old age, but in terms of footballer, he's getting up there. Um, and yeah, he's got many seasons in him still, a bit like Louis, um, two players who are aging like fine wine, to say the least. Um, we mentioned the Virgil van Dalen a fair bit, um, but I want to touch on a bit more. Um, I mean, to have 100 touches in a game for a central centre-back is, is quite crazy, really. And as Joe mentioned with his pass completion rate, uh, 97%. Yeah, that was his best performance yet for me. I think uh, keeping a player like uh, well, players like Jeff Cotton Ennis, who Ennis especially was really lively on the night. I felt um, he was unlucky not to be, well, he was unlucky to be on the losing side. I felt I think he out of everyone on that team, um, him and maybe Kamara, um, were the two that really stood out in terms of wanting that result. Um, but yeah, listen, uh, Harry kept one of the least best strikers uh, this season at least. Um, quiet Joe and uh, with Harry before with the chances running um, a dribble, as I say, sorry, through the middle of the park. Uh, he's certainly a man on the mission, isn't he? Yeah, it gives us another dimension. We've spoke about, you know, maybe in, in attacking-wise, we're a bit predictable and it's about take being a bit different. And, you know, earlier in the season, you could probably, if you shut down our left-hand side, well, that's it because we had Regan Paul on the right-hand side and he's a, you know, centre back, or and and so it's 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 that sort of thing of just having different options and being able to mix it up and be flexible. And when you've got someone with the ability of Harry Darling to just charge forward, and all of a sudden you've got an extra man in the attack, and you know, and because of our formation, we've still got Dean Lewington and Warren O'Hara back covering. So that's kind of the beauty of the three at the back that you do have the ability. If if the player is good enough, of course, you can you know go dribbling forward and. Um, it's you know we saw against Wigan he can certainly strike him from range but you know even if it's just taking a man away so all of a sudden you know Scott Fraser's free Matt O'Reilly's free um, it, it, it's definitely something that's that's really good and you mentioned as well Warren O'Hara but I I, I yeah just wanted to just reiterate again I thought he was absolutely fantastic and um, yeah I think with Warren he's he's shown he's shown flashes this season and I think hopefully. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we just got to remember he is young. And I think next season, it's, it's you know, he'll really be able to push on and get that consistency. But, you know, th- these next 10 games, it's it's going to be all about just uh, as a team, just growing together, getting confident, getting used to playing each- together and just getting that experience up, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's strange to see um, Harry and Warren covering for Louis in some cases when, there's just so many seasons where Louis are covering for people. Um, so, yeah, quick quick role reversal for everyone. Uh, but, yeah, they're both excellent on the night. Uh, and they kept a, a pretty lively, quiet, and you know, for, apart from a 30-yard strike from a left wing back in Grant, um, yeah, if, I'm sure they'll take that every day of the week because they're, they're not going in every single day. Um, so, yeah, really happy. Um, I suppose we'll touch upon the, the wounded that came out of that game you know winning winning comes at a cost unfortunately and um, a few players picked up as a pretty serious knocks uh, of course Ethan Laird um, took some pretty heavy wax at the start of the game and I think some people talk about him being targeted I mean that's that's putting it lightly he was literally bamboo bulldozed through the first 10 minutes of the game pretty two heavy tackles um, and he had a shoulder strap on his arm coming to the second half um, he played on, which is a good sign of 64 minutes. Um, but Ross, I'm hoping this seri- injury isn't too serious. Um, I'm sure you're thinking the same, but how do you feel he played um, well, with, his, with his shoulder uh, banged up? Well, he's always going to be limited once he's hurt his side. 
obviously going up for headers and man marking. You don't realise, obviously, how much you use your arms. But, um, yeah, I, th I thought he coped well. Uh, but I'm hoping it's not long-term or anything serious. Because recently, he's turned into some player and he's really menacing down that wing. And as, as we've all said, he's just... I feel like we've got limited options down that right-hand side. And if we were to lose him, it would be a big loss. Yeah, I mean, we saw... Well, when he came off, we saw Matty go to the right-hand side and... Well, it wasn't terrible, uh, Matty. Of course, he put in some three decent deliveries, which one Greg really should have put in the back of the net, to be honest. Um, but yeah, l listen, there's no there's no doubt on the talent of Ethan and the impact he has on this side, Joe. And um, even with his uh, shoulder strapped, he was still running into the uh, 18 yard box trying to create chances. So it clearly was limited him in terms of what he wanted to do for the Dons. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, fair play to the guys. I think. Um... I think in a lot of occasions, this uh, a lot of times this year, he's kind of a, it's been a, a welcome to men's football for him, hasn't it? And uh, I think he's 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 a sort of player that you, you just know he he always backs himself. He's supremely confident, so I'm sure he'll he'll be chomping at the bit to uh, start on Saturday. I'm just uh, it's just probably a matter of whether uh, Simon Crampton will let him. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and uh, of course we'll hear a lot of. About that on Friday, I'm assuming, and the same with uh, Josh Paquette. Criticals came off at half time. Um, I'm not sure what the injury was for this one. Um, the plenty of commentary didn't mention it. Um, Ross, I don't know if you saw the tackle where he got injured from, um, but did you have any understanding of how he got injured, or and do you think he'll be okay for uh, Saturday, or, or what's your thoughts on it? Um, I believe I, I didn't actually see the challenge myself. But um, I'm not sure if Russ confirmed it. Um, he said it was a neck spasm in the end. Okay. So um, I know Sermon had a uh, spasm in the warm-up for Plymouth. Uh, I think it was Plymouth, I Early. believe. And he was back for the next... All oh, right, OK. Um, so, yeah, he was back the following game. So I'm hoping it's not too serious. Yeah, definitely. I've, I mean, he's really starting to show his shows quality isn't he Josh now he's getting some more minutes behind him so the last thing we need for him is to get an injury and be out for a few games uh, so yeah hopefully they're both okay I also hear a lot more on Friday from Russ Martin um, about that um, and we'll get move on to Saturday quickly of course um, I've got my conversation with Ed which will uh, show to you guys quickly uh, before a little break but uh, unfortunately the gents can join me so I've asked them for their quick uh, starting 11 predictions and score predictions for the game. Uh, so, Joe, uh, give us your predicted starting 11 and your predicted score line for Burton away on Saturday. Um, I think it's. I think Russ is going to try and keep it as 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 consistent as he can, but I think he is going to be forced into a couple of changes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe because uh, Russ mentioned how some of the uh, the more experienced guys are maybe uh, they're running a little bit on empty. So I wouldn't be surprised to see any of Dean Lewington, Andrew Sermon or Cameron Jerome rested. Um, and then you could uh, potentially see Jules, um, Jules Louis Thompson, who again, he's got more minutes under his belt. He looked absolutely fantastic. And Will Grigg. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those three come in. Um, but equally, you know, why change it if it's working so well? Um, and then, of course, just depends to the extent of Laird's injury. But I think if if Laird is injured, you probably will see Sorinola on the right, Harvey on the left. 
Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see Louis giving a rest. We mentioned a couple of little mistakes and creeping in. Um, same with Sermon, just getting, you know, one of the older older heads in the team. Um, maybe Louis Thompson's given a go. Who, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that the core of the team will stay the same. I just could maybe see uh, one of Jerome, uh, one or a couple of Jerome, uh, Dean Lewington or Sermon rested. Uh, in terms of res- uh, prediction, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, what on earth is going on at Burton Albion? They've, they've, they've absolutely <laughs> just just turned the relegation battle. Well, they just kind of brushed that aside of it in a matter of month, uh, matter of weeks. You know, rock bottom. Um, but let's not forget they they put in really good performance when they were actually at our place. So it's not as if they're just they were always completely useless. Um, I believe they've made quite a few changes in January, and fair play to them. Um, I think with a team that in form, I think they don't think they've lost in like ten or eleven games, um, and you know we're playing well ourselves. I can't see a clean sheet, I'm afraid, but I'm going for a one-all draw. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, lineup's interesting this week. Um, personally, it's what I wrote for my lineup. I've got Laird starting, McEachran not starting, um, and then pretty much the same after that. I've got Louis T coming in for McEachran. Um, I feel that, yeah, the other players may have run an empty, but I think we'll give them one more game. Um, just we got a week after week break after this. I think it's our only week break the rest of the season. Um, so players like Lewington, um, Sermon, and even Jerome's taken off at 60 minutes. I think Jerome will play. Um, but yeah, it gives him a little bit of a break, maybe. Uh, so yeah, one more game and then we'll see after that. Um, but Ross, um, what's your predict starting 11 and uh, score prediction looking like for Saturday? Yeah, so on uh, Saturday, I do believe it's going to be a, one tough game, obviously considering Burton's form. So the lineup I've gone with is Fisher in goal. I've gone with O'Hora, uh, Darling, and Louis at the back. I feel like it's enforced to uh, Laird to come out, and I've put Sorinola out on that right. And then I've gone with Harvey out on the left. And then in the middle, I've took out. Um, Josh Josh McEachran I've replaced with Louis Thompson and then um, alongside him I've gone with Sermon I believe obviously Louis Thompson more, as Joe just said he's got more minutes in the bank and he just, I feel like he deserves to start now and he's ready um, obviously with, his, uh, with the earlier injury in the season he was rushed too quick but I feel like this is perfect time for him to do at least 60 minutes and then I've gone with the usual duo um, in front of them of O'Reilly and Fraser. And may I say, O'Reilly yesterday was a joke. His pressing game, it was, he was just leading, leading the team with Jerome and it was something else and it didn't get enough plaudits in my eyes. But yeah, um, I've gone with obviously O'Reilly and Fraser and I've gone with a change up top. I feel like Jerome started back-to-back games now and I feel um, it's a chance for Will Grigg to come in and step into the spotlight. Um, and then going on to the result, I feel, it's, as I said, it's going to be a tough game. And I've gone with a one-all draw also, only because of if we do win this sort of game, it shows how much progress we've actually made under Russ. But if we do draw it, I don't feel like, or even if we do lose it, I don't feel like it's three points dropped in my eyes because Burton are no mugs in this league. No, 
Burton are one of the best teams in the league. There's no one really close to them, to be honest. Uh, I think Ed said they'd won nine, drew one and lost two in the game since uh, Hasselbank and Dino came in, which is, since the teams they've played is incredible, really. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, obviously, me and Ed have given our picks to our lineups and score predictions you'll hear later, but um, one of them is is very similar uh, to yours, so, so that's interesting. Yeah, with Greg, um, Greg coming in for Jerome. Yeah, I can't argue against that. I mean, he should have really scored, shouldn't he, against Plymouth? I mean, he had, he had a fair few chances, and that one from Sorinola coming in from that wing he reached t- took away. Um, so, yeah, interesting lineups. A few injuries, the first bar in the works for, for us all in terms of trying to uh, get another 11 out of 11, try and get our, our fan hub ratings pushed up again. I think uh, I'm, in, I'm still in the top three, so just a humble brag there. Um, so, yeah. I'm sure if you, if you want to get involved in FanHub, please do. Just drop us a message and we'll try and get you guys in. Um, but for everyone that is in, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, so that's uh, our review of Plymouth and uh, Ross and Joe's little short predictions on uh, the game against Burton on Saturday. I'll have a little break and then I'll pass you over to my, my conversation with Ed Walker from the D3-D4 podcast on the game at the weekend. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. So that's another late win at Stadium MK. The Dons are back on the road uh, to the Pirelli Stadium, Burton Albion, on Saturday. And we've got the pleasure of welcoming on uh, Ed Walker, who not only covers League Two in depth, but is also a big Burton fan. So, uh, Ed, how you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Uh, I feel like I've been sat on Zoom all day, though, to be honest. So, <laughs> it's nice to have a bit more of a distraction talking to yourself about a football. I think everyone's life is on Zoom at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully, be a bit less Zoomy tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, of course, we're here to talk about an Albion. And, uh, I mean, wow, you're on some form, aren't you, video? Yeah. Uh, let the let the listeners know since well as of recently how incredible that run of form's been for Burton. The form's been ridiculous. Um, I think you really have to take it back to the start of the new year, following the um, the first game in charge for the new management team. It was a one 0 win away at Gillingham, a decent start, first clean sheet of the season, exactly what you want on the first game. Pick that up with a narrow defeat to Ipswich with a bit of a mistake to the goal. You felt like things were certainly improving and it's just kicked on from there. They have played 12 games so far, the new management team. They've won nine of them, drawn one, lost the other two. Wow. So they've gone from being a team that looked destined to relegation to a team that's basically in promotion form. And no one can quite believe it's happening at the minute. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I suppose a big part of that has been the defence, right? I believe it's only conceded seven goals since um, Jamie yeah. Floyd and Dino came in. I mean, yeah. I mean that that that's quite incredible, to be honest. Considering, considering, considering in the first half of the season, they'd shit more than anyone else in the whole football league. Yeah, the difference yeah, exactly. is staggering. Absolutely staggering. Yeah, it was near on 50 goals, was it? Something like that, 49, 50? It was 50 goals, pretty much, yeah. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, so what do you reckon... Jimmy Floyd and Dino as a management team have brought to Burton uh, since they came in compared to the previous manager in Buxton? What they brought in really is a sense of style and um, philosophy. It's all built around a system that was 
incredibly similar to what it was actually in Jimmy's the last Spank's third spell. They play a quite a basic setup, a 4 2 3 1 formation, but it's all built around this really solid base provided by the backs on the goalkeeper, which is designed to really limit the amount of high quality opportunities the team can face. They'll adopt a high press at times. I'm pretty sure they will this weekend against MK Dons. We know how MK Dons like to play. They'll look to press yeah. high where they can. And the back thaw is a bit more structured along the halfway line, looking to thaw the opposition long with this press where they go and clean up with the defenders. You've got two deeper line midfielders who are capable of covering every blade of grass. They really are sort of the sort of like a, a front a back line in front of the back line, really, I guess is the best way to describe it. They really limit the opportunities to play forward, look to break look to um break up passing lanes, distribute the ball out to the more technical players in the front thaw that then look to hit on the counter. It's not a particularly attractive team. It's quite direct a lot of the time. The football's not particularly that good in the eye, but it works. Oh my word, it works. It's unbelievable how well it's been working so far. Yeah, definitely. And um, one of the few losses that they have had, obviously, was caught against Sunderland. And I think a, a key takeaway from that game in particular was how Sunderland limited you on the wing-backs type of play. Because I know from what I've seen of Burton so far since uh, Jimmy Floyd and Dino have come in is that they like to utilise the wings a bit like ourselves in the attacking play. Um, and I suppose the element of that has been just one-upping um, yourselves whenever they're on the wing. So say it's two people on the Burton wing, having three uh, Anarchist Dons players there is essentially a, potentially a good tactic that has been utilised previously. Do you think that Dino and Jimmy have adopted against that in the game's prize? Well, after that, I should say, sorry. Or do you think that's still a potential weakness in terms of being just pressed to not use the, not utilising the wings? Potentially. I think in the Sunderland game, I seem to remember Lee Johnson completely changed formation. Oh, I think he went yeah. to a 3-4-3 three, three, when it was more expected to be sort of a back four in use and that really caught them out. Took advantage of a lot of second phase set pieces as well for two of the goals and then picked them off for a third once Burton had gone down to 10 men for a very ridiculous red card decision, to be honest. Shouldn't have been given, should have never picked up the second yellow. But I think that's really the only downside they've had to this so far. And I think they're happy having the ball out in wide areas. It's more about limiting the opportunities that fall when the ball falls into the box. So they're happy to have the possession out wide. They'll close down the space. The idea is to always win the first and ideally the second ball is most important. And that's where the two deep alignment fielders come in to really clean up, win possession from the second balls and then distribute forwards. Yeah, I think that's one thing with a Russmar and team. He's he's not going to change his formation too much anyway. So you kind of know what you expect with this Don's team. So, yeah, I don't think we'll be putting the Lee Johnson anytime soon and they're changing our formation completely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it'll be no surprises, basically, for Jimmy Floyd and Dino. Um, who would you say are some uh, key players to watch out for um, on Saturday afternoon for Burton? Because obviously there's been a lot of change since the two uh, assistant manager and new gaffer came in. So who's some players to watch out for? There's a few. Um, the key one at the back, who's probably been the player of this second half of the season, really, is um, a lamb called Hayden Carter. He's a young 21-year-old centre-back on loan from Blackburn Rovers. Looks top league one level championship standard, to be honest. His first loan spell away from Blackburn, first senior appearance. I really think he could play in the Premier League in the future, to be honest. He's so cool, calm and composed. It's You have some centre-backs who find themselves under pressure with a loose ball and will just send it upfield. He's not like that. He wants to be calm and measured with his decision-making, either try and maybe distribute out to the fullbacks, distribute to his defensive partner, to the two midfielders in front. He's really clever 
with the way that he plays loose balls and really clever with how he reads the game as well. And he's offered a decent set piece threat. He's got three goals so far, all of them coming from set pieces. So he's effective at both ends of the pitch. Further forwards, I'd look towards Johnny Smith. I think you have to. He worked under Dino Marmer at Oldham Athletic last year, was a goal and an assist machine from either flank. Really good technical dribbler, great delivery. Loves cutting inside onto his left foot where he can have opportunities to goal as well. He's at the club permanently on a two and a half year deal. Uh, with the numbers he's putting out already, it's his defensive contribution as well that makes him so noteworthy. And it's a big part of this system that he, they have a pair of wingers that are able to track back and almost act as auxiliary wingbacks in the defensive phase in front of the fullbacks. And Johnny Smith is happy to do that all game long. And then he's almost the one who sometimes wins the ball and then springs the counter attack himself going up down the left flank or the right flank even. So I'd have to pick out those two as probably the two stars. But the whole team at the minute, you really can't complain about any of them. They've all been sensational. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was looking through the Blackpool highlights um, this morning, actually. And, you know, a player that was really, a really shone through from the first game played each other was Joe Powell. And he didn't even get in the first 11, I don't believe, um, for Tuesday mm-hmm. night against Blackpool. So that just shows how how much depth this Burn team's got now. And I suppose, how has, how has Powell got on since the new manager's come in? Has he still been a main feature of the squad or has he has kind of been exiled out a little bit? Well, I really like Joe Powell. He came in um, this time last year. It was actually one of the reasons Scott Fraser got frozen out. I think Fraser, who was originally out Burton, of course, was trying to get a move last January, never materialised. And I think he fell out with Nigel Cloth a bit and Cloth basically benched him. So Joe Powell was playing ahead of him, looking quite similar, to be honest, playing, showing lots of similar qualities. He's coming to this season. I guess his defensive output isn't quite there, thought Hasselbank and Mamre want from a starting attacking midfielder. They want someone who will drop in between the midfielders, provide a, a link between the midfield and the front line but his deliveries are fantastic set piece deliveries he's putting a wonderful ball like you say for that Blackpool goal in a midweek and I think it's more to do he's a good option to have from the bench especially when the opposition is maybe perhaps tiring and can be hit more on the break you'll often find that they might well make the change where they bring on the attacking midfielder and the striker together so they'll keep the formation the same but they'll switch the striker and the attacking midfielder over to bring on some fresher players look to really impact the game there but no the whole squad has improved in size and that was one of the big things done in the January window was to make the squad much larger than it typically normally has been at Burton because they know that this heavy fixture schedule has been coming up they've been playing three deaths three two three times a week now for the last month I think like most teams have and we knew this was going to happen so it was always worth getting a big squad together anyway yeah we're we've um we're certainly benefiting off the big squad as well you know we've had quite a few injuries ourselves so Especially in midfield, especially with, with us, we know we have about nine players that can play three positions. But yeah, I think this season especially is definitely the season to have a bigger squad. Um, and of course, mm-hmm. with the salary cap being uh, ditched, quite frankly, uh, that we've benefited off that, I'd say, to say the least. Um, one more player to touch on. You may not have seen too much of him since he joined, but I was also interested by Terry Taylor, of course, coming in from Wolves. Um, first of all, has he played many minutes for Burton? And what do you think of him from the minutes you have seen? He earned his first start last weekend at Crew Alexandria and looked really good. He's good. played in yeah. sort of deep midfield role, a bit similar to the other players who've been there, like Sean Clare and Michael Mancien and Ryan Edwards. Someone who looks to be really intelligent on the ball, really good at reading. He's got great reach as well with his tackles, I noticed. So even if the player is a few yards away from him, he's able to get across quite quick and put in a sliding challenge to either block the ball or prevent them from progressing forwards. And then he's a 
he's composed on the ball as well. He's really intelligent with his movement. It's not just sent upfield. He'll try and pick up the flanks if he can as well with his good range of passing. So he had a really impressive debut. And for a young lad who's permanently at the club for the next two and a half years, he's just going to get better. So I'm excited about the future with him. Yeah, we made a very similar move ourselves to Charlie Brown um, in Chelsea. And a lot of teams as well, especially in League One, have been buying the junctures permanently on like six month contracts you had left at the uh-huh. current club. So, yeah, it's good to see uh, League One clubs getting young talent in. And uh, yeah, hopefully they can all do well. Okay, so let's get into our predicted starting 11s. Um, I'll kick off with yours, Ed. What's, what, what's your predicted starting 11 looking like for Burton Albion heading into Saturday against Milton Keynes Sons? Well, it's tricky because it, it doesn't, it's not often he keeps it the exact same. The okay. back line normally writes itself. I expect to be Ban Garrett in goal. You're looking at the 4 2 3 1 again. So I would imagine it would be Tom Hamer again at left back, even though he's more naturally of a right sided player. He's had his first start there. I think it was against Rochdale, looked really good and hasn't looked back since. And the threat he provides from his long throws have caused so many teams' problems at the moment. And I imagine they'll look to do the same thing against MK Dons as well. So I'd expect him at left back. I'm not entirely sure if Michael Boswick is back fit. I think he might still be unavailable. So I'd be looking at Hayden Carter alongside Michael Mancien in the centre of defence. John Braithwaite, the captain out of right back. Midfield two, I'd maybe it could be a whole collection of players, but I reckon he might go with Terry Taylor and Sean Clare as the two deeper sitting midfielders, potentially Ryan Edwards in the number 10 role, who's not so much your technical number 10, but he's brilliant for leading a press. He's relentless with his pressing all game long. It could be really good because we imagine they're going to put a press against MK Dons. We know of MK Dons. Every, every team does, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to, I imagine they're going to try and do that. And Brian Edwards will be yeah. the ideal guy to lead that press from attacking midfield. I expect Lucas Aikens out on the left and Joyce Smith out on the right. They're a pair of very good wingers who have a great defensive output as well. So you might expect them to sort of drop back into auxiliary wing back roles when out of possession. And the leading in line, I imagine, would be the top scorer, Kane Hemmings. But the option alternative to him, who's a bit more of a poacher, is Mike Thondop, who's much bigger. Player making his debut in the EFL, having previously been non-league all the time. He's a real handful. Real handful from the direct play. He's more suited to the direct play, Burton play, albeit his finishing and his technical abilities and quite a level of Hemmings. But I imagine Hemmings will start and you'll probably see Thondop brought on later into the game. OK, yeah, sounds like a strong team for sure. Um, in terms of Don's lineup, it's a bit well, it's a bit interesting moment because he had a few injuries picked up in the midweek. Um, I imagine it'll be Fisher and goal as always. Uh, similar back three in O'Hora, Darling, uh, Darling and Dean Lewington. Uh, right wing back, I'm going to stick with Ethan Laird. He had a shoulder injury midweek, um, but he played through it, even though it was strapped up clearly. Uh, hopefully it's not too serious and hopefully he can play. So yeah, I've gone with him, right wing back. Of course, uh, the assist king, Matt Isano, left wing back at the moment. Uh, midfield four, um, I've gone with Louis Thompson over McEachern. Uh We're not completely sure on McEachern's injury right now, um, but Louis, Louis T came back in midweek and gave us a bit of grit we needed. And I think we're going to need it here to uh, try and stop the press. And he's that type of player really who can do that. So it'll be him alongside Sermon as the two kind of double pivots in a sense. And then, of course, uh, O'Reilly and Fraser in front of them. And then uh, the goalman moment, Cammy Jerome at front, who uh, seems to be getting 60 minutes, scoring a goal, get 60 minutes and coming off. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm very surprised if that team isn't that, uh, unless we hear some positive news on Maketka and on a Friday afternoon from Russ Martin. Okay, so we've talked uh, pretty much everything, apart from one thing, which is a score prediction. 
Um, Ed, what's your score prediction for Saturday at uh, home to Milton Keynes? Uh, you see, I don't want to be accused of sitting on the fence, but I have a thing this is going to be a draw. Okay. I've just got that feeling. I've... I'm at the stage now with Burton where I fancy them to get something from every game, regardless of the opponent. They've shown that with the upturn and thorn they've had. I go into every game with a bit of confidence now. I just kind of see this being level. I think back to the meeting last January, last season, how that was, I think it was a 1-0 Burton win, one of the final games for Liam Boyce before he moved to Hearts and how hard a game that works. And I think I remember Scott Fraser saying that was basically what made him want to join Dons. He was so impressed with the way MK were playing that when he realised it's not going to future for him at Burton Albion, that was one of the clubs that attracted his interest and he's ended up joining them, of course. I, for this game this weekend, I'm going to go 1-1. I know it might be accused a bit of sitting on the fence, but I can kind of see this levelling itself out. And I don't think that's a terrible result for either side at the situation this season. So I'll go 1-1. Yeah, yeah. yeah, funny with Fraser because he came to a pre-season game. I think it was Northampton or something. He's a head of recruitment, and basically he just said, "Watch the game." and said, "Yeah, sign me up." Um, and we talked, we talked to head of recruitment, and he said it was like his most nervous match he's ever watched because he had such a talented player next to him watching, waiting for him to sign the dotted line. And um, if he had a loss, who knows what would have happened? He might have uh, gone to a Sunderland <laughs> or a Championship team. Uh, so yeah, um, funnily enough, I've gone exactly the same as you. I've gone one all as yeah. well. Um, I said, as I said already, I bet had a pretty solid defence, uh, and I think it would all depend on whether the you know, Burton's high block actually works and could cause issues. Um, I think it will. I'm not sure whether, well, obviously based off uh, Hemmings' performance at the weekend, I'm sure he'd definitely take his chances. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's It depends if you pass to him or not, because that's what crew did. They just gave him the ball three times. <laughs> so if MK do that, he'll snap them up, but it's whether you do that or not, really. Yeah, we'll try not to do that. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of counting each other out, a lot of um, silly mistakes that could result into chances. But ultimately, uh, both teams will take something from the game. And I'm pretty sure they'll be happy with that uh, heading into a hopefully uh, not stressful April and May. And that'll be nice for once. Yeah. <laughs> Every Don season seems to be stressful at that time of the year. So <laughs> it'll be nice not to have that. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Ed, for uh, coming on to the podcast. Uh, if you want to plug anything, then feel free. Oh, I guess it's perfect to plug D3D4 for those who aren't aware. Um, we all know the lower leagues of the English football don't get as much coverage as you do with the top flight and even the championship nowadays. So my co-host, James, set this podcast up a few years ago now to provide exclusive coverage of just League 1 and 2. We go through the fixtures every weekend on the Sunday, the games after they're played talking about the matches, talking about the future of the clubs, talking about issues on and off the field, because there's plenty to talk about down these leagues, because there are some clubs that are, well, a state and some that are really promising. And it's a lot of fun to talk about. So, yeah, D3D4 football. Yeah, great listen. It's good news. Captain, good news about Wigan this week, didn't we, regarding the uh, new takeover? Yeah, definitely. So that's good. Another club that's out of a difficult situation to a positive one. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the MQ1 podcast. It'd be great if you could rate, review and subscribe. And as always, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.